0: Today is the final Sunday of Lent. Lent is the 40 days preceding Easter that Christians set aside time to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. This year during Lent, we've talked about how Jesus brings whole life wholeness to us. We've explored how he brings uh, relational wholeness. He brings vocational wholeness. He brings financial wholeness. In, in every part of our life, he comes and wants us to experience the fullness of life that he knew on earth. And that he now makes available to us. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like for Jesus to bring emotional wholeness to us. Now, I know when, when you start to talk about emotions, we have different reactions. Uh, some of us, we've spent our entire lives uh, learning how to control, to suppress, and to hide our emotions. Others of us, uh, everyone knows what we feel all the time because we have no ability to hide it at all. Over the past couple weeks, we have seen the way our emotions are affected by our circumstances. You know, And, and really, think of it in terms of a, a roller coaster. So for, for a lot of us, our circumstances dictate our emotions, and then a lot of times our emotions dictate our behaviors. So as life goes up, typically our emotions, the way we feel, goes up as positive, as good, as affirming, which causes us to act in positive, good, affirming ways. But then if life goes down, our emotions go down as well. We start to feel some negative things. We start to believe some negative things. We start to act in some negative ways. The last couple weeks in our nation and around the world have absolutely felt like a roller coaster ride. Not the kind of roller coaster that you want to be on, not the kind of roller coaster you get in line to, to ride again and again and again, but the kind you find yourself strapped into and you can't wait for the ride to be over, and then you hope they tear it down and throw it away when you're done. I know for, for many of you, you've had the experience that I have had of each day you, you wake up and you read the news, and, and some days it's a little more positive, and some days more often it's a little more negative. And our emotions kind of track with the latest realities that we're facing. And if, if like me, you're you're more of a planner and you enjoy knowing what you're going to be doing two days from now or two weeks from now or two months from now, then the last couple weeks have been very difficult for you. And you have probably found that your emotions are going up and down with whatever you have read lately. And so this morning, I want to, to encourage us That the scriptures teach us we don't have to be ruled by our emotions. They don't have to dictate the way we think. They don't have to dictate the way we act, the way we speak, or the way we interact with each other. But what we're going to see today is that Jesus knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly what we're going through. And he has experienced everything that we've experienced. Jesus felt what we feel. And sometimes as as Christians, we have a picture of Jesus more like um, Spock from Star Trek. Now, if if you're a Trekkie, um, please don't email me because I, I'm probably not going to get this 100% accurate. My experience of Star Trek is watching like two movies halfway through. OK, so uh, but what I remember is Spock is not completely emotionless, but he is very in control of his emotions and he does not want his emotions to affect his ability uh, to make reasonable and logical decisions. Now, for for some of us, this is the view we have of Jesus. It's the view we have of mature Christian people, that for them to be emotionally healthy or emotionally stable is for them to actually function almost like a, a religious robot where they just float through life and nothing bothers them and nothing affects them. And if you tell them one day that their pay was doubled and the next day that their mom died, they're not going to fall off the cliff in either direction. But that's not at all the picture we get of Jesus in the scriptures. And it's not at all the experience we have as followers of Christ. To follow Jesus means that we fully feel everything, but we are not ruled by those feelings. Now, if you don't believe me that Jesus felt everything that we feel, I would encourage you this week to take some time and read five short chapters in your Bible. So if you'll start in Mark chapter 11 and read through Mark chapter 16, so just those five short chapters, you will read the events of Holy Week. Now, Palm Sunday is the the beginning of Holy Week, and it traces the life of Jesus from his triumphal entry in Jerusalem that we celebrated earlier in this morning's service, through the events of Good Friday, the crucifixion that we're going to observe with our, our Good Friday service this week, and then culminates in the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday, which we'll celebrate next week. But what I want you to pay attention to as you read through Mark 11 through 16 is all the different situations that Jesus finds himself in, and think about the corresponding emotions that he must have felt in each situation. So I'm going to take you through just a few of these uh, to give you an example and to show you that Jesus felt what we feel. But I really want to encourage you, I mean, whether you're an adult, a teenager, a kid, you can do this. Moms and dads, you can do this with your kids. Read through a story and then ask them, what do you think Jesus felt in these moments? And then continue to read and see how he acted despite what he was feeling. Okay, so, so just a, a few quick examples for you. In Mark chapter 11. We see Jesus experiencing joy during the triumphal entry. He's being welcomed as a triumphal, a triumphant king, right? He, he just has all of this, these crowds gathered around him, but there's also probably a little bit of trepidation in his heart because he knows how this week is going to end. He also experiences righteous anger as you read through Mark chapter 11. He goes to the temple and he sees that people are making it difficult for the poor to worship Jesus. So he, fashions a whip for himself, and he goes through the temple and starts to flip the tables and drive them out. He's feeling anger in those moments. As you keep reading Mark 11, you see examples of people misunderstanding who Jesus is and why he's come, and and it's, it's not hard to imagine that he feels a little bit of disappointment that here he is at the end of his ministry, and people still don't get it. If you flip over to Mark chapter 14, we find Jesus at the Last Supper. And it's 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 just undoubtable that he experiences heartache as he looks as the men who, at, at the men who've been closest to him and tells them that one of them is going to betray him. Later in Mark chapter 14, Jesus has a conversation with Peter and tells Peter, before the night is over, you're going to deny me three times And and you know it caused sadness in the heart of Jesus to give that news to Peter. Later in Mark 14, you find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's just about to be arrested. He is about to be beaten, ridiculed. He's about to be crucified. And as he's pouring his heart out to God, listen to the words he uses. He says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus knew what it was to feel crippling sorrow. You keep reading in Mark 14 and you can see frustration building in him as he goes back to his disciples again and again, asking them, will you please just stay awake and pray with me? Mark 14, Judas shows up and betrays Jesus. He sells him out and you know he feels the sting of betrayal in that moment. When he is arrested in Mark 14, it says all of his friends desert him and he feels abandoned. Mark 14, he's brought before the religious leaders and is repeatedly questioned and misunderstood. They have no idea who he really is or why he's really come. You flip over to Mark 15 and you find Jesus being beaten and mocked by the soldiers. And then finally in Mark 15, as he hangs on the cross, you see Jesus experiencing what it feels like to be completely alone. The full weight of loneliness when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus felt what we feel. But despite his feelings, Jesus kept moving forward. And so what I would encourage you this week as you read through Mark 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, is to see again and again that Jesus experienced all the ups and downs that we do. Even more extreme in many situations. He felt all the things that we feel, but he never let his feelings stop him. His feelings did not dictate who he was or what he did, but he just kept moving forward. This is the promise that Jesus offers to you and I. You see, emotional wholeness is not the absence of emotion. It's not the elimination of circumstances that cause the ups and downs in life, but it is the firm conviction That no matter what happens to me, no matter how it makes me feel, Jesus is present and Jesus is working in those situations. So what that means for you and I then is when we're faced with circumstances that cause emotional reactions, our job as Christians is not to say, well, just forget that. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to kind of stuff it down in and not talk about it anymore. I'm going to pretend it doesn't bother me. I'm going to act like it doesn't exist. That's not emotional wholeness. Emotional wholeness is saying, I feel this thing rising up in me. And so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to experience the power of Jesus and the presence of his Holy Spirit in this moment when we begin to transition to that model and that mindset, what we're really understanding is that our emotions provide a window into our soul. right? And so when you feel something, It doesn't mean you're supposed to ignore it or move past it, but your emotions are actually a way that God gets your attention. He snaps your focus off of all the other things that you've been focusing on and forces you to pay attention to this thing that's causing this emotion. And then the question we're supposed to ask as followers of Jesus is why do I feel this way about this particular thing? Now, for most of us, we avoid those thoughts, we avoid those prayers, and we avoid those conversations. And we're able to avoid them because we're just so busy all the time. You know, if, if I normally don't like something that happens over here, it's not going to be long before I have to go somewhere else and do something else. And that's, that's where the season we're currently in where everything is kind of shut down, everything has slowed down, it brings us into a space where we can really pay attention to what we feel, what we think, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to connect what we're feeling with the circumstances we're experiencing, and then to ask him to show us why we feel that way about the things that we're currently going through. For many of us, uh, life has kind of ground to a halt. I know that's not true for all of us. Some of us, your your jobs are are busier than they've ever been. But for many of us, we find ourselves with a lot of extra time at home. A lot of our extracurricular activities have been removed. A lot of the things that we do um, outside of our homes, the way we fill our weekends have been taken away. And in this space, we spend a lot of time with a much smaller group of people. And I'm sure all of you in your homes, it has just been a wonderful, endless, like Disneyland vacation type experience. But in, in our home, there have been a couple moments where, where we kind of walk away and think, well, that escalated quickly, right? Because when you live in close proximity and you don't have all the normal busyness and things that you're doing, you're going to have more opportunities to explore, why do certain circumstances cause certain reactions in my life? And so my encouragement to you is that you would use those moments, not as things to be avoided, not as something you need to distract yourself from, but as a moment where the Holy Spirit can come and begin to speak to you about exactly what is going on. What the scriptures teach us is that our emotions are a space where God gets our attention, but they're also a space where God works. And he doesn't come and tell us, hey, you want to remove all of the emotion and not have emotional reactions. But instead, he comes and says the Holy Spirit can come in the middle of all the ups and downs of life. And no matter what you're feeling, he can begin to grow his supernatural fruit in you. This is what Paul promises us in Galatians chapter 5. See, when, when we think about the way Jesus responds during Holy Week, how no matter how high the highs are, no matter how low the lows are, he just keeps moving forward. He just keeps acting in ways that honor God. And we think, well, can I ever have that experience? What Paul tells us in Galatians 5 is, yes, you can. And the way you can have it is by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in you to take your normal emotional reaction and replace it with a supernatural reaction that's made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. So Galatians 5, uh, verse 22 and 23, Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control. In this passage, Paul is describing to us what life in the Spirit looks like. And what I, what I really want you to pay attention to is this idea that the fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit does in us. Right? So, so just think about it again. When we talk about Galatians 5, 22, and 23, what we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's, it's not the fruit of people who are Christians. It's not the fruit of people who go to church. It's the fruit of the spirit. What Paul describes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things the spirit grows. These are things the spirit does. All of the action, all of the authority, all of the responsibility in Galatians 5.22 is on the Holy Spirit. You and I are recipients of his work and what he does. So, so this changes the way we think of it. Most of us think about the fruit of the spirit like it's a, a toolbox that we carry along with us. And so we find ourselves in a situation that causes an emotional reaction. We think, okay, uh, my, my kids are frustrating. I'm spending too much time with them. So I need to, I need to get out the tool of patience and I need to put it to work. Or, okay, I'm dealing with a situation at work that I don't like, and and I want to respond in anger, so I need to take out the fruit of peace, and I need to put it to work. I'm dealing with someone who's betrayed me, and there's hatred welling up within me. I need to take out the tool of love and put it to work. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit does in us. And so in those moments, when my circumstances create an emotional reaction, my job is not to say, I know how to fix this. My job is to stop and say, Jesus, will you work by the power of your spirit in me in these moments? And that's what he does. And the longer you follow him, the more often and the more frequently this occurs. To the point where you walk in step with the spirit to such an, ex- an extreme That you are able to naturally produce, allow him to naturally produce these things without having to stop and completely disengage from the situation you're in. See, what the scriptures are telling us is the life Jesus lived is the life that you and I can live. And he lived a life of emotional wholeness. He didn't ride the roller coaster. He experienced the different circumstances just like you and I did, and he felt the things, but his emotions did not define who he was in those moments. The same thing is true for you and I. And so this week, during Holy Week, my prayer is that you will know the emotional wholeness that Jesus offers to you. And what that really means for us is it means in every situation, no matter how high the high, no matter how low the low, that we're going to stop And we're going to be aware that in this particular moment, Jesus is present and Jesus is working. And that's what emotional wholeness looks like. It's not that he changes all of our circumstances. It's not that he removes all of our emotions. It's that no matter what I deal with, no matter how it makes me feel, I know in this space, in this situation, in the middle of this feeling, Jesus is present and Jesus is working. It means he's not scared of my anger. It means he's not scared of my frustration. It means he's not turned away by these feelings that rise up within me, but he is present with me. And not only is he present, but he is working through these things for his glory and for my good. And as we begin to stop and pray those prayers of, Lord, here's the situation, here's how I feel, how do you want to work? He will begin to show us how his fruit is going to be on display, how he's going to fill us with kindness, with goodness, with faithfulness, with gentleness, with self-control, with all of these things. And as he does, our lives begin to shine as a light in the darkness, demonstrating to the world, we feel what you feel, but we're going to keep moving forward on the path that God has for us. I don't know what the coming weeks or months hold for us as a church, for us as a city, for us as a nation. I don't know what it holds in your job. I don't know what it holds uh, in your homes. But here's what I know. Wherever you are, whatever we go through, Jesus will be present and Jesus will be working. And that's where my emotional wholeness comes from in this season. That's where your emotional wholeness comes from. That he comes to us in every moment as our savior, as the one who delivers, and the one who leads us from where we are to where he wants us to be. I would love to pray with you this morning that what we've talked about this morning will be the reality of your life this week. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would fill us with the power of your spirit. I pray for those who, uh, Lord, their, their emotions have just run the gamut the past couple weeks, just bouncing back from one extreme to another, crippling them at times. I pray that, that they would begin to experience the peace of your Holy Spirit that your love and your joy would begin to fill their heart, that as they cry out, Hosanna, God, save me, that they would see you coming as their Savior and as their Lord. And Jesus, we pray that the same Spirit that raised you from the dead will now dwell in each one of us. Come and produce your fruit in us when we are stretched beyond our natural abilities to to react in loving, kind. Peaceful ways, We pray in those spaces, Lord, that your spirit would come and grow that fruit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Christian Chapel, thank you for joining us today. Again, we wish we could be together in person. We are praying that that day comes sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, we want to stay engaged in your life. If you have any prayer needs, please visit us at christianchapel.com slash prayer drop off those needs. Our pastoral staff and leaders will be praying for you. Someone will be in contact with you. If you would like to continue to worship with your giving, you can do that at christianchapel.com slash give. Thank you for giving generously and joyfully. You're enabling us to be part of God's provision for people in our church, in our community, and around the world during this time. May God bless you this week in all that you do.